This is Splice. Hey everybody, this is Splice Pink, and Pink is where we have quick conversations with people across the global media ecosystem, from media startup founders, journalists, and funders, to all the tech data design folks. And that, of course, includes membership managers. Like Devina Herianto. She's the membership manager at Project Multatuli, an outfit we have great respect for, and Devina's based in Jakarta. Devina, tell us tell us more about your role. Hi, yeah, my name is Devina. Glad to be here. I'm working as pro- membership manager for Project Multatuli, or as we like to call it, Project M. And I'm doing everything regarding membership from setting up the program itself. Like uh, before the launch, I borrowed a lot from the membership puzzle project guide. And up to now, I'm running the day-to-day operation, which includes like um, thinking about merchandise, shipping them off to our Kawan M or friends of Multatoli, and also uh, asking our members why they haven't renewed their membership. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> so you ask them, why have you not renewed? And what is yeah. often the, the, the answer you get? They don't have money. Or sometimes it's just, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I jump in with a question that comes before you ask them why they're not re- renewing. What's the main reason? Like, what's the number one reason to be a member at Project M? Okay, we actually did a survey back in July asking our members and also former members why they decided to join us as uh, Kawan M. And the two most common answers are because they feel solidarity with us, with what we do as public service journalism. And the second one is that um, because they think that some of our reportings are relevant to them. And maybe this is also a good a good time for you to talk a little bit about the kind of reporting you do. Uh, yeah. We've we've gone straight into talking about your role, but I you know I think for for those who've never heard of uh, Project uh, Multatuli, what is your kind of top line explanation of the work that you do? Yeah, um, at Project Multatuli, we serve the marginalized, and that's it. That's kind of our whole mission statement. We serve the marginalized voice the underreported and also hold power accountable. We believe that by serving the marginalized, we can do the next two things, like uh, representing the underrepresented and holding power accountable. Because there's a news desert in Indonesia in which the marginalized are often not talked about. And when we talk about the marginalized in Indonesia, that includes like an immense majority of people, actually, because... Um, in Indonesia, sometimes the news, the mainstream media only like to talk about the experience of a male guy living in Jakarta or in Java, the most populated island in Indonesia. So there are lots of people who live in other parts of the country whose experience are not talked about and they are facing structural challenges that are not becoming attention in media and also by the government itself. So what are some of these types of stories that, that you do when you, know, when you say marginalized? Um, so you mean non-Java, non-male, non-Jakarta uh, citizens. Uh, what, what makes up a typical story that you would work on? We have a running stories of indigenous people who live all across Indonesia. And 
these communities live in remote places, remote areas. They're dealing with conflict and they're basically uh, mostly uh, portrayed as having land conflict with the government because they are uh, also considered as illegal squatter, even though they have been living there for like generations before the country even came into being. And we also did a stories about young people. Uh, we have two stories on that. First one is uh, Generasi Burnout or the Burnout Generations, in which we talk about how young people, uh, this is mostly still uh, Jakarta-based stories, how young people having to struggle balancing between school and work because they have to do internship and also um, because they want to pursue their career right, in later future. But they're still very young and they're becoming burnt out at such a young age. And sometimes the media don't talk about that. The media only talk about how you can secure this internship, what you learn from that, and what inspiration can you get from these people without talking about the toll that it takes on the young people itself. The next one we have is underprivileged generation Z or underprivileged Gen Z because um, in Indonesia and I think it also applies in other countries as well. Sometimes the media and the, the government talk about Gen Z as this tax savvy, very opportunistic, highly educated. And that's not the real thing. That's only like one percent of the Gen Z. So when we talk about um, the marginalized, the underrepresented, we talk about it in like every side, like from their ways of living, indigenous people to the young people who are not being represent, represented uh, truthfully in the media to uh, the blue collar worker. So we have a series we call uh, Sacrificial or Little Cocks in the Machine, you know. Yeah, we portray the life of the career of logistic companies who have, you know, uh, worked from day to night in order to deliver package for the e-commerce and also logistics startups that gain the most benefit and also profit from them. That's amazing. You know, I've just looking at what you're talking about and what you've, what you've done in your past, you know, it seems like uh, Multatuli really scored a membership manager that understands mental health, understands community, understands you know the lives of people that don't necessarily aren't necessarily like us in the media and that you're able to understand where these people come from and have that empathy for them yeah i think it's because uh i like to read and that's it <laughs> i like to read everything uh from mental health to the experience of indigenous people and also critics regarding the big tech and startups like techno-solutionism and all that. So I think um, basically it all comes down to my own curiosity. Like I like learning about new things and also uh, the Project Multatoli's way of presenting new stories that haven't been covered in mainstream media. I have one one question about what what for you in your very specific point of view you have this empathy you also you also have a strong um allergy to stereotypes it sounds like and so in your view who is your core member in in uh, multatuli who is that persona who is that mm. what are they like describe them to us it's people like me 
people who have empathy, people who have intellectual curiosity, and also humility and a kind of like solidarity to support um, this organization who is doing great things, but not necessarily benefit them personally. Like for our members, they don't really get portrayed in our reporting because they're kind of like privileged people, but they feel the need to have this sort of like reporting strike and they want to support us because they feel that it's necessary even though it doesn't benefit them personally. Can you talk a little bit about the the members themselves? Like who stands out for you? You know, when when you're going through your membership list and you're looking at all these names, who are you most proud of to have in there? I mean, you don't have to name the person, but just just give us a a, a profile of what that person is like. Okay, so um, I'm glad with that we talk about the reportings regarding Sacro uh, Kecil or Little Cox earlier, because there's one member who after we've done that reporting, even before we have membership program and he joined as a member, this person set up a um, petition for the government to take care about uh, this problem, the problems that facing the gig economy workers. He set up a petition along with other organizations. Um, we don't have a union of e-commerce workers here, but there is a really popular account uh, on Instagram. His name is e-commerce. I will send you the link later. And they basically become the informal union for startup workers in Jakarta. And together with the person who later become our member, they set up a petition to the uh, Ministry of Work. Uh, I forget the official nomenclature and they base this reporting based on our uh, series of reports they base the petition based on our series of reports yeah and they even managed to gain like thousands of uh, signatures and even met even met with the minister herself so I guess um, I'm proud to have this kind of person as the member because he does not only care, but he actually does the hard work of mobilizing people, organizing this petition, and so on. What is your the role of Multatuni in, in that in that sense? Do you join these types of petitions? Do you also advocate for for you know some of these issues? Um, at first, because that happened while we were still in the very beginning of our work, so we didn't really join in actively. But personally, we uh, helped spread out this petition. And also later when we make another reporting that gain public attention, we help uh, people who want to channel their donation to in order to help the subject of, of our reportings. Because uh, again, uh, the subject of our reporting are mostly underrepresented people. They're underprivileged and they need all the help that they can get. So we and our writers and contributors help to do that kind of work as well. How cool is that? You know, I have one complaint, Davina, that I was, I'm actually trying to, you know, I was on your About Us page on the Multatuli website. And after reading that beautiful page, uh, I really think you need a join uh, call to action there because you've described your mission so beautifully. You describe the, you know, how your people uh, stand behind that mission and what they do. You've got those great photographs, and that's exactly where you need to catch me as a as a member. But 
I'm persistent, so I'm going to be. I'm going to. I'm going to try and be a member on this call anyway. Thank you. Are you on the English version of our website? Yes. Ah, because um, on our English version, we do membership in Indonesian language, right? So we don't offer membership to foreign audience, and that's why it's kind of like um, hidden in the English version. But you can also donate or go to our Indonesian version, and there's the call to action button i learned a lot from your your uh about page presentation in vita and while going through that session i uh check our website uh, about page and i like sort of like man, uh, mental checklist on my brain That's yeah, do we have that we have that Richard told us we should have this <laughs> <laughs> that's always a good reason to act on it I think that's that's really incredible. You know, when when we first heard about this project, it was from your co-founder, uh, uh, Evie, right? And yeah. this was over a year ago, I think. And look at where you are now. And you were just telling us before we started recording that there are now 17 people uh, as part of this organization. And that's really quite amazing. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the different roles that you have uh, in there? Yeah, so Project Multatoli has three main roles. Uh, like chambers, I guess. The first one is organization. That's where the people who built the foundation of the organization and keep us running, like they're the administration people, finance, tax, IT consultant, and also the our legal aid. And the second one is editorial because, yeah, we are a public journalism collective, so we should have an editorial team. And we only have two writers, who are full-time with us today, but we work with a lot of contributors, writers, and uh, also illustrators, as well as photographers all across Indonesia, because we need them to report stories from their own respective region. And the third one is uh, sustainability, audience development, and membership, which I'm a part of. So there's also a collaboration director uh, who come with us, with, who come with me to Veda, uh, Uli, there's a audience development manager. Uh, he used to work at a labor union, so he's really great at understanding the things that we talk about at Project M. And, and also me, who works in membership. I'm curious about your, your reader revenue products. What are your plans ahead? I know that you guys get well-deserved grants um, and that you have a membership uh, program, obviously. What are the plans ahead if you're if you're able to share them with us? Yeah, our plan is to increase the contribution of membership, our greater revenue to our operation up to like 30% in the next five years. It's a long battle because right now we only have like five to ten percent at average. Yeah. Uh it fluctuates from month to month, depends on the kind of reports that we publish. And we want to reduce our reliance on grants because it's not sustainable, obviously. Uh, but aside from membership and also grant, we also have this thing we call impact service in which we collaborate with NGOs mostly who have um, campaigns on the things that we also care about and they help us pr- help us produce uh, reports and uh, campaign on these issues because uh, we're a small organization and our reportings, uh, because we're doing slow journalism and we're covering parts of Indonesia that are not accessible, uh, 
easily accessible, we need higher costs than the regular uh, reporting. So yeah, this impact service and collaboration help us a lot in terms of making our content. So I'm really excited about your editorial meetings. You know, when I when I buy your basic membership, I get invited to your editorial meetings. That's that's kind of cool. I mean, you know, that's something we ask people to do all the time when, you know, when we ask them, please talk to your audience and please talk to your users and talk to your community. What happens at those meetings? And do they add to your, how do they add to your editorial plan? We don't really have a long-term plan in terms of our editorial. So we can open these meetings to our members because we're doing it slow. We're taking a deliberate approach to our reporting. And when this meeting happens, we invite our members, right? Obviously, not a lot of them come, like only like 10%, but it's good enough because uh, it's already the biggest editorial meeting I've ever been in. And I work at the mainstream media for like four years before. And uh, we get to hear our members' uh, thoughts or ideas and questions about our reportings. And at first, uh, we do it like the regular ways like our um, managing editor will talk about the things that we have done are doing and will do will do in the next like three months and then our members get to chime in ask questions uh, provide suggestions and so on and so forth but then uh, I told you that we did a survey back in July right one of the members said that this editorial meeting feels like a town hall <laughs> which I do not want that to happen. So, uh, and this member suggests that it would be better if we do uh, pre-meeting surveys in which we take in questions and ideas. So I, I would yeah. have thought that, that a town hall is a compliment, right? This is your no. way of gathering people <laughs> together. Why, why is it not? It's too serious for us. We're never that kind of company. <laughs> Our meetings are, are always a mix between like an actual meeting and also a gossip session. <laughs> Since we work on online, right? Uh, we only get to meet every this meeting happen. Yeah, so we want to do it like as casual as possible in order to foster like trust, belonging, and so on and so forth. And having it in a town hall style will, I guess, alienate our members because they feel like it's a one-way thing instead of two-way conversation. So yeah. Anyway, back to the survey. So we started doing pre-meeting survey and I put up, put uh, the ideas on Google Jamboard. And during the meeting, the members can vote on the Jamboard on which ideas they want to talk about. And then we start from that. On like... The first meeting, we did that with the pre-meeting survey and also the Google Jamboard. Uh, the meeting changed. like uh, It was really member-led discussion. They talked really deeply about the topic of inequality in education in Indonesia. And our members are really smart. They're like way smarter than us. And they told us a lot of things that we wouldn't have even thought about. So yeah, we start, uh, We just listened, took some notes, and uh, we incorporate this suggestion into our series. What would you say has been the, the, the most impactful feedback that you've received so far from, from your members? Project Multatoli 
got its name from Multatuli, which is a pseudonym for Max, uh, from this writer, right? And Multatuli itself means that I have suffered a lot. So our reportings present a lot of suffering in it. <laughs> and our members constantly tease us about that. They say that, oh, your writings are too dark. It's kind of depressed me to write it, to read it sometimes. And we feel that, okay, fair enough. We, <laughs> we cannot do that to everyone because to read us, uh, it doesn't only require time, but also mental energy and kind of like an empathy or emotional preparation to do that because again uh, our reportings are depressing and they constantly ask us to do this kind of reporting that are more inspiring like-hearted positive in a way and so when we want to um, set an agenda for our indigenous uh, people series we think about that really hard how do we present indigenous people in a way that is not depressing but is also relatable to our audience so yeah we try to find more stories that are presenting not only their suffering but also their resilience and uh, how the grassroots movement can change things and so on and so forth so that's really impactful because uh, if our members haven't said that probably we're gonna stick to these sad depressing stories Earlier, you, you spoke about how you want to increase your, your memberships. Uh, basically, you want to double it in three years, you said, I think, if that's in my math five. works. In five years. Yeah. Um, what's, what's, what's your biggest challenge in that? Is it getting the word out? Is it about demonstrating the value of the membership or, or the journalism that goes behind it? What's, uh, what's the biggest challenge here? For me right now, it's retention. Because sometimes... Uh, People become our members because of our reportings, right? And we have lots of topics that we need to cover. And sometimes when we move on to the next topic, our members don't stay with us. They just, you know, forgot to renew their membership. And they feel like they don't have any more interest in us because we already changed the topic. We already move on from the topics that make them sign up in the first place. And... I guess uh, the second thing is gaining more audience because we're still new and we're very niche in a way. Like we have this long reports, thousands of words and nobody reads these reports. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to market ourselves to people uh, because obviously what we're doing is important, but how do we make it important and personally relevant to more audience, right? Or perhaps different audiences, you know, yeah. because it feels like you guys do so many things and that you have this community that wants to support you. And maybe there's a huge opportunity there to actually get the right products into the right, you know, to the right users and form, form audiences from there. I'm sure you have a very dedicated audience for your reports at an perhaps institutional level or a policy level. I can I can see that if I worked in policy, that I would really depend on Multatuli for a lot of my, you know, a lot of the way that I want my organization to think about Indonesia and the region. So that might be, maybe maybe the answers lie there, you know. Um, as you can see, you know, we never stop being splice and we never stop being excited about working with organizations as yours. That's why we love you guys so much. 
Thank you. We'll think about that. It actually makes sense. We're going to have to wrap this right now. So thank you, Divina. People, you need to become a member. Uh, it's projectmultatuli.org. Go, uh, go sign up. Go be a friend of Project M. That's a good way to start helping Divina reach her goal to get more members and spread the word. Uh, they have a five-year plan and you can be part of it right here. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, that's a wrap for this episode of Spice Pink. If you like this podcast, you want to get more, please subscribe. Better yet, share this with someone and get in touch. We're on splashmedia.com. Divina, thank you. Thank you, Divina. Thank you, Alan.